0: Hello and welcome to the Avocado Social Club, a podcast where we talk about important things affecting young people and that we find ourselves talking about, from politics to popular culture. My name is Fraser and I'm from London.
1: And my name is Natalia and I'm from Mexico City. I did just realise that we said important things affecting young people and last episode was all about memes. So well, I guess you could argue they are an important part of culture. So. Yes. Anyway, we're going to go into our highlights. Do you want to start?
0: So the first highlight is something that hasn't actually happened yet, but that we are both quite looking forward to, which is that Taylor Swift has announced that she is going to be re-releasing all of her old music, re-recording it, re-releasing it all, um, starting with Fearless, which which is actually, I think it's actually the second sort of piece of music that she released, but starting with that that album on April, April 9th. Mm-hmm um she released uh what was it love story? Yeah, she, love story the re-recording of that it sounds very very similar to the original yeah
1: some people um, that original. know a lot of music were a bit like oh i love that she added this to it but i, I oof,
0: it's hard to tell. yeah i can very oof, hard i can to really tell. tell they um i was listening to uh apple music one the radio station with zane zane lowe and he played the original one he went yeah, no, it still sounds pretty good to me. Don't, <laughs> doesn't sound, you know, it doesn't sound out of date. The instruments don't sound old. The yeah. vocals don't sound out of date. But you know, it's good to get new recordings. Yeah, of and songs I think like.
1: obviously I don't know if we talked about this in our Taylor Swift episode, <laughs> but obviously the idea is that if you listen to the new ones, you're not giving money to her old producer.
0: Yes, who she very famously fell out with. Yeah. And they still owns the rights to her music against I her think will.
1: he sold them, but he still gets money from them, which is right. why she's re-recording, because she has she wants nothing to do with him. Right. So yeah, that's kind <laughs> of the point of it. And we're looking forward to it. She's apparently releasing new things that she wrote at the time but didn't come out.
0: Yeah. Extra tracks.
1: Yeah. The our second highlight is <laughs> Years and years, which were a bit late to the party on. I can't remember what year it came out in.
0: I think it was 2019. Yeah, I think so. Pre-coronavirus.
1: Yeah, and yeah, very, very obviously pre-coronavirus when you watch it, but it was very hyped up at the time when it came out, and I think I think it makes sense. I'm really enjoying it. And it was written by Russell T. Davis. I was kind of I wanted to watch it because I watched uh It's a Sin, which he wrote and i'll talk about in a bit but yeah that's why we wanted to watch years and years yeah
0: it's bbc so you can get it on the iplayer if you're in the uk
1: yeah it's about a group of a family yeah it's brothers and sisters and their significant others Mm. and their lives through years of kind of political upheaval and
0: yeah starting from the mid sort of mid 2020s 2024 i think
1: Yeah, I think that's the
0: first. Yeah, it's the first. It
1: starts in 2019 and then they move forward. To 2024.
0: And then sort of then onwards, really. And all of the tumultuous events that are happening in the world and in Britain, some of which are kind of, yeah, that could happen. Life might change in that way. Whereas others are more, you know, more far-fetched, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is interesting to, to see how it would play out. So our next highlight is actually more of a, a less less of a highlight, more of a feature of the last couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. for me, which has been the app Clubhouse, which you may or may not have heard about. For those of you that haven't heard of it at all, it's an audio based social network. Say it's kind of closest to Twitter, but with audio so you can yeah. listen into groups of people talking, whether it's famous people with lots of followers or just, you know, friends, acquaintances, yeah.
1: things like that. I would say one thing that it has on Twitter is that the problem that has been spotted with Twitter for a lot of people is the lack of new nuance that you can have in doing a discussion on Twitter because of the character limit. Yeah. Whereas Clubhouse, obviously, you can talk for hours with. And discuss for hours with yeah. different people so obviously it adds a lot more of that i've just found it to be a bit messy for my head i find it hard to know what room to join and when yeah. and what it's kind of i find it to be a lot but yeah you... i think
0: it's yeah i think you're right i think the rooms are set up with names of the rooms or by clubs that discuss specific topics so for example there are clubs about being a fashion journalist, or being a photographer, or being interested in cryptocurrency, or football, even if that's what you're interested in. But if you don't, if you can't think of which of those things you're interested in, it's quite hard because then you just see a list of things that are being talked about, and some they're sort of happening in progress, and so it can mm. be hard to get into them.
1: Also, because it is quite new, there's a lot of people there that they do tech things and they do sort of startup things so most of the rooms i would say are talking about building your life as a founder or being in tech or things or being like being a that.
0: freelancer being a marketer it's got a weird we said it, it's got some things in common with twitter i think just because people sharing their opinions mm-hmm. but it's also got a lot in common with linkedin in yeah the, it does. people's bios are quite long and everyone's sort of portraying the best version of themselves in at work on their bio at in a sort of semi-hybrid of work and personal yeah. life, it's, it's kind of odd in that sense. It's not sure whether it's a platform for your career or for personal, your sort of personal use. use in social life. But it's maybe the future is that these things are going to be much more blended
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they're all just going to take place in the same environment, I guess. That's that's how it feels on Clubhouse yeah. at the moment.
1: It's quite interesting. I've got yeah. invites to go out.
0: Yeah, so. if anyone wants an invite, let <laughs> us know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And our last joint highlight, is a show that we watched together it came out on channel 4 well it's not channel 4 is that what do is the streaming
0: uh, all, four, all of four the
1: streaming platform. um i find it confusing they have a lot of <laughs> things with four but all four and it's the great which is a show about Catherine the great uh kind of fictionalized comedy mm. but it's got it's obviously i think it's got some of the big moments in her life are true it's just infused with comedy it was written by tony mcnamara who co-wrote the favorite with Jorgos lantimos mm. so, and you can tell it's got a very favorite yeah. feel to it i would say it's a little bit funnier than the favorite i think
0: it's more aimed at being funny I than think the it's light-hearted. But, is it, but stylistically it's yeah. definitely quite similar and if you are a fan of the favorite then you would almost certainly enjoy yeah. The Great.
1: I think with The Favourite, it was a little bit less lighthearted. It was yeah. quite... Um,
0: yeah, it was a bit more gruesome yeah, in exactly. some ways or, or less comedically so.
1: Yeah, and it's got Elle Fanning playing Catherine the Great and Nicholas Holt playing her husband, whose name I've forgotten, which is quite funny given the context of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 I've, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. And there's a second season coming soonish i think Possibly, yeah yeah so yeah we we enjoyed that, that as on all four or if you're in mexico or the us it's in hulu so do you want to talk about one of your highlights right
0: yes so one of my highlights has been playing poker with friends on zoom
1: <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's that's a really good idea
0: i think is we've a lot of people probably did this way back in 2020, but it's just something that I saw someone else do and thought it would be fun. A fun way to get together a small group of friends who hadn't spent, who we sort of made a lot of effort last year to catch up weekly on Zoom, but then mm. over Christmas and New Year it kind of drifted a bit. So yeah, finding a platform online, we use a thing called Poker Now, which is free and you can just create games and set however long you want to play for or the number of chips you want and it's just fun having zoom on the side and, and playing for a bit of a laugh so that's yeah. one of my highlights
1: yeah and you do put money in it which is makes it a little
0: <laughs> <money>.
1: <laughs> uh, my sort of hobby highlight is has been knitting I've been learning how to knit I got a kit from Etsy and it's such a calming thing to learn once you get the hang of it it's really nice to do it at random moments in the day yeah I would say and yeah, I feel like I've been on my phone less. Yeah, and to
0: it. yeah, because you—it's something that you can do while watching TV or something, rather than scrolling Instagram or Twitter while watching TV. So it's yeah. sort of—it's—it's it's good in that sense. And you hopefully will get a cool output at the end of it.
1: Yeah, making a scarf. Yeah, which seems to be the easiest thing you can make because you don't have to do shapes. I have no mm. idea how do you make a hat, but I guess I'll learn eventually. <laughs> uh, I've been enjoying that.
0: And I've got another highlight, which is actually something that you did, but it's on my highlights list, which is <laughs> you made cinnamon buns. Oh, yeah. Which it sounded and seemed from the process that it wasn't too hard for you to, to prepare. No. And the ingredients were quite simple.
1: It, it, the ingredients are very, very simple. It's it's long because you have to prove the... Yes. What you got? The dough. <laughs> the dough, thank you. You have to prove the dough and, and for a few hours. So it takes a while to do, but it's not hard. Yeah. If you have the equipment, it's really not hard. And you don't need a lot of equipment for it. Mm. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. so it can be done. And the taste was pretty incredible. Yeah, they were
1: delicious. And I also made them, in case anyone wants to make them, I made them with a cream cheese frosting. Mm. And that added a really nice touch to them. I'm going to go into more pop culture highlights now. Yeah. So the first one. And I actually forgot to put it in my notes, which is a sin, because <laughs> I loved it so much. Uh, it's it's a sin, which is, again, on all four. It was written by Russell T. Davis, same as Years and Years. And it follows the life of a group of friends through the 80s in London and the UK, with, in, with the background of the AIDS pandemic. So most of the friends are gay, except for one girl who lives with them. And you see a lot of it through her eyes and it is one of the best shows i've seen in a few years mm. i cried and i laughed and i don't think i cried that hard at tv in a really long time <laughs> it's got ollie alexander from funnily from the band years and years in it and he's really good and all the actors are are great in, in, in it and i just I, I really i still think about it every single day yeah. since i finished it it's One of the best things I've seen. So It's a Sin It's coming to HBO as well for people in Mexico. Cool. Watch it.
0: (laughs) Cool. I've got a a pop culture highlight, which is the song Vintage by Blue de Tiger. I think I've played it quite a lot. And I've also used it as the soundtrack to a TikTok video.
1: Oh, I know what it is.
0: It's, It's very, very catchy. Yeah. And it's got a cool kind of bass tune that goes throughout it. And so yeah, I definitely recommend that song.
1: Just to clarify, Fraser, he's not a TikToker.
0: I'm not a TikToker.
1: <laughs> you ain't like You're a TikToker. Though, for a bit. he's not. he used it for a brand. Yes, but yeah, uh, I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> I read a book called Hurricane Season by Fernando Melchor. I read it in Spanish, and if you do speak Spanish, read it in Spanish because it's the original language. And mm. it has a very, it has very specific language from Mexico and from Mexican regions. Although I have heard that the English translation done by Sophie Hugh is brilliant with language and slang as well. So you you can read it in English, apparently amazing in English, but if you speak Spanish, I would recommend that. It's about a town in Mexico and it starts with the discovery of a body in a river. And the body is of a woman known as the witch. The first chapter takes you through all the gossip, beliefs and mystery around this woman. And then we move on to reading the stories of people who surrounded her and her murder, dipping into different voices and streams of consciousness. The whole novel is made up of eight very long paragraphs, which I showed you when I was reading it. Incredible. And it gives it a sense of urgency and fast pace. Even when you're going through very slow moments, you feel like you're reading something very, very fast because it's just one Mm. huge paragraph. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was written really well.
0: I'm actually uh, I'm out of, of, of uh, highlights, okay. so do you want to do another?
1: As usual, I'm going to have three in a row. <laughs> the next highlight is The Farewell. Again, I'm a bit late to this. This is a film from 2019, and it was massive when it came out, so a lot of you probably have already watched it, but I finally go around to watching it. It's based on a real lie, as the tagline says, from the life of the film director, Lulu Wang, who is Chinese but moved to the US when she was very young. It tells the story of her grandmother getting diagnosed with terminal cancer and the family in China deciding not to tell her under the idea that people don't die of cancer, they die of the fear of cancer. And it kind of delves into particularly how that clashes with her Western views and ethics. The whole idea of the film, I would say, summarized in one scene, which is in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler, (laughs) where the main character, who is played brilliantly by Aquafina, is told that her Western views, in the in her Western views, everyone's life is their own and it's the individuals to do what they wish. And in China, your life is part of a whole and of a family and how that has allowed people in the West to remove themselves from any responsibility to do mm. with their families. And it's really interesting commentary is the threat throughout the film. So I really enjoyed that. It's yeah. on Amazon Prime, if you haven't watched it yet. Awesome. And my last recommendation is a podcast. <laughs> which is Grounded With Louis Theroux, the FKA Tricks episode. In general, Grounded With Louis Theroux is really good, but this is the particular episode I'm going to recommend. He's obviously a brilliant interviewer, as everyone knows. And this episode is really wonderful. FKA Tricks very carefully calls him out on certain beliefs without being disrespectful and explaining her points in such a clear way, particularly when it came to domestic abuse and toxic relationships. She delves into her thoughts and feelings through the last year, having been struggling with the trauma of her relationship with Shia LaBeouf and the decision to publicly state her abuse allegations against him. One part that particularly broke my heart was her speaking about how she used to feel like a terrible girlfriend because he would wake her up in the night from like 3am to 7am and accuse her of really awful things and of not loving him and basically berating her so during the first lockdown she was just trying not to wake up in the middle of the night just panicked from PTSD and it spoke volumes about the effect that these relationships have on on women and that are just not fully talked about in this level of detail so it's a really wonderful interview and I would recommend it right so moving on to the topic for this episode do you do you want to introduce it a little bit Yeah, so
0: we were thinking recently about different people that we know who have discovered their passions during lockdown, started something new during lockdown. And we wanted to talk with someone who had done that by starting their own business during lockdown, their first ever venture, I suppose. Yeah, Yeah,
1: so Fraser interviewed Rushab, who is a friend of his and also it has kind of, you've kind of seen his journey, so we thought it'd be really good to to talk to him. And you interviewed him over Zoom. So we're gonna listen to that now.
0: Enjoy. So we're now joined by Rushab Shah, who alongside his day job at a technology and engineering consultancy company, he is the founder of Portobello Vintage Market, which I'll let him tell you about in just a second. We'll also let you know where you can find out more about the business. It's a business I bought from. I'm a big, big fan of what they're doing. And I've also been really inspired by his journey over the last nine or so months. Rishabh will tell me in a second how long he's been been running it for. But yeah, really looking forward to this and hearing a bit more about
2: how he got started and what he plans for the future. So welcome, Rishabh. Hi, Fraser. Thank you. Thank you. That's really kind of you. Yeah, i really, really excited to be here. Looking forward to this chat. And um, yeah, it's been great, great to speak to you. And we sort of met about nine months ago at the start of the journey. So yes.
0: Yeah, we met obviously during the the lockdown or the, the first original lockdown sort of eight, wow. nine months ago. And <laughs> how many have there been? <laughs> how many have there been? Yeah, we're on at least, at least three now. Yeah. Um, um, and, and yeah, it's been really cool to see the project grow. So for, for anyone who's not come across Portobello Vintage Market before, tell us what, what do you guys do?
2: Yeah, so we are a, an online uh, vintage clothing brand uh, that sells clothing that's comes from that was manufactured in India uh, back in the seventies and the eighties with a bohemian western twist on it, um, and all the all these items were sort of sold on Portobello Road, and it's almost purely vintage dead stock um, that we sell now. So yeah, yeah, awesome. And how so? How
0: did that that connection to to Portobello Road come about?
2: Well, so this is this is an interesting story. So this this started back um, with my dad and and his two brothers. So I I kind of been brought up on Portobello Road. So I my dad used to um, sell in Kensington Market. So for those who know the area that's that's nearby and. And then they um, end up moving on to Portobello Road itself, which is this hub of clothing, culture, vibrancy. It's the home of Nottingham Carnival, all of that. And it's just full of sort of rich culture. And um, mm. what they did was they brought the the Indian manufactured clothing um, in this sort of bohemian era and, and gave it and infused that into sort of Western clothing, like shirts, blouses, dresses. So yeah, so yeah and I practically grew up um, in and around the the stock and, and i remember when i was a kid sort of maybe like four or five years old there was an office above their shop where i would go on the weekend and sort of uh just sort of sit there do some homework and just play with the the old uh fax machine they had up there, and, <laughs> and just mess around which is good fun um and and yeah so so that that's sort of like the yeah. the, the background and actually where we get our stock from it, it's uh it's my, my dad's business that he, um, him and his brothers set up and mm. and traded and um, did really well with. Um, and, and obviously, back then, the stock wasn't vintage, <laughs> although they did used to stock these incredible um, Afghan embroidery jackets and, and waistcoats. Mm. And some of this embroidery are like over 100 years old. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's crazy. And, and they're a truly rare one-off um and even then, they were upcycling. <laughs> they were, they were. That was sort of excess or repurposed material. Um, they used to repurpose a lot of velvet um, from other. So you can see on some of the items, you'll see the yeah. sort of uh, the old marks of where like pockets used to be and and and, and bits of tr- uh, trim and stuff. And where the velvet's not quite the same sheet because it was sort of all put together. And it's um, yeah. So yeah. So so the items that we. Um, we started selling was is from my dad, and that's what kind of got me into this, yeah, and so you saw this like over many years kind of what your dad was
0: doing and what was part of your 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 life growing up, and then decided sort of last year you know what what prompted you to take the decision to take this this online and and try and make this into a brand and make this into something for for yourself
2: yeah so i i kind of got to a point where i i i kind of felt like i wanted to do something on the side of of work might have been the uncertainty of covid and lockdown and starting to see the impact it had on a lot of people um within any any industry i was like well i kind of want to have a little project i need something to do fill that social time right that, we're, that we can't go out and uh and, and see our friends and all of that because of lockdown so i kind of took to that i said okay i want i want to do something that's meaningful that, that i can kind of do as a little project with dad mm. as well um and and start to start to sort of add add value and and try to and, and the biggest thing was um so from anyone whose parents have ever run run their own business that has stock you will always have stock in yeah, your own home okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we we had we have that too. I mean, Fraser, you, we were just chatting before, and, and and you were saying that even the stock that you saw from Mexi, you've you've got in your flat. Yeah. it's inherent. Like it, it's, it's mm-hmm. the first place you look to store, and any sort of amounts of stock, and and that's and then so we had a load of stock at home. So I thought, okay, if I can't go out from home, start with a stock that's at home. So I just started with, with that, and and um and and wanted to. I think that the the best thing about this is that the stock was there. It's, it's just that what I wanted to do is try and get that stock to people who value the stock, to mm. so value the clothes, because the, the items are truly unique. They're, they're incredible. Um, like saying before, some of them date back 150 years, for some of the embroidery. Yeah. And, and it's sort of getting those items to the people who like those items. This is what is kind of one of the big drivers for me wanting to set up shop online yeah. to, to start with. And so when you think about like you had yeah you had that opportunity
0: where you could see that there was you know products that you knew products that you were interested in and and a space that you kind of you knew the heritage of and, and the value of so when you were thinking about getting started and i'll just sort of add in that there's probably a lot of people who, who are listening to this Ha, huh, not a lot of people listen to this but people who are listening to this a lot of them probably think who you know i've i've got this skill that i do or i know this person who does this and i kind of think it could be a business but i don't know about you know i maybe i'm new to selling anything online maybe i've never even put anything on ebay or sold anything on facebook or whatever so how do i think about actually taking my side project or knowledge into something that i try and sell like how did you think about taking something you knew about something that could be a business
2: yeah Trial and error, I think, is, is the route that I went yeah. down. So I, so, so obviously, yes, like you said, I knew that the stock, my dad, the, the items were incredible, um, and when they're all on Portobello Road, they look immaculate, and um, and and my, so being from a very different generation, uh, generation that my dad they they've always seen the online influence come, and they've always seen uh, retail companies go online, and obviously. And that sort of mega trend around around people was just sort of buying more online, so they saw a decline in their business. But they never went online; they always saw it as a big blocker. It was a lack of know-how, knowledge, appreciation, yeah. understanding, really. And whereas, obviously, our generation and we we kind of grew up online, and uh, I mean the younger generations uh, more so than we did, but. But so I, I grew up yeah. sort of knowing that, yeah, you can buy stuff online as a first sort of thing. So I, I was like, well, although I didn't know how to kind of get the stuff online. I saw someone who needed to get their stock online. They had to because um, the fashion industry is has shifted. Like it's, it's yeah. a changed um, industry. So and with e-commerce, so so it was almost just that I had the time was the first step. So and the time and with that, you can. There's plenty of sort of resources. So I started um, chatting to mates who'd, who'd set up sort of online shops. I sort of watched YouTube videos, saw yeah. a huge amounts, and then just sort of tried things by chucking some clothes on eBay, yeah. uh, putting some on Depop, putting some on Etsy, and I was like, "Well, these are all these are all uh, pretty well known places where people buy yeah. stuff from." Didn't quite venture into Facebook marketplace, but yeah. again and I've sold stuff on there and it and it works mm. as a platform gum tree I sold my old car on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it was it was just sort of finding what platforms work. But I think the differentiator was making a website. So something that I owned fully. And that's where things sort of got a bit more interesting. Yeah, and so I yeah, like you mentioned those those platforms,
0: they are literally just a case for, for anyone who wants to get started you you are just more or less clicking buttons that are just like common sense questions in order to get set up and list list anything like whatever you you sell and then having your own website is really the natural like next step from that and having a brand and something that feels a bit more either either something that can create a bit more like long term value for for you but or that just can reach out and appeal to to a lot of people which is obviously kind of without saying too much, it's just like, that's, that's the point that you're kind of reaching now. And so when you were thinking about the the website and, and that side of things, how did, how did that come about with there Was it again, just YouTube and like looking up
2: things online, or was there anything else that kind of came into it? So actually roll, roll back a few years ago, I started a placement year in between uni, in between third and fourth year. And, and, and then I said to Dad, "All right, I've got time now. I'm going to go and make a yeah. website." And took some items to up to Lemington with me, where I was living at the time, and and started like I think I made a Wix account and and that sort of thing. And then didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I and and purely because I, I don't know why. I think I just it wasn't the right time. And 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 whereas. Now I had a vision kind of mapped out as to what I, what I wanted it to look like. So mm-hmm. I started with with what I thought would work from looking at other websites. Yeah, um, including yourself, yours <laughs> Fraser as well. I had a look at yours, a little bit of inspiration, <laughs> and and others just just to see what how how should a an online clothing brand website yeah. look, and and just from that you get you get a view, and then. Um, using Wix um, was what who I used to start with and and um, they have pretty much a plug and play pre-set up template which you can then just tune. You can change the yeah. colors on. You can start to mess around with how you want it to lay out but it gives you pretty much like 75% of, 80% of what you need. The rest is up to you. The rest is up to the creativity, how you want it to, what colors you want, what font, what do you want the your visitors' experience to be so. Yeah. Let me paint a picture. So, so what we so my dad's shop, right? This is this is an incredible one. So when you when you step in, the only way I can describe it is like stepping into Narnia. Um, you come, you're on Portobello Road, turn into the shop, which for the front of it is decorated with clothing. Like they they hang clothes in front of the shop floor, in front of the shop on the outside, mm. and. So imagine you're looking at almost a wall of, of clothes, different colours, velvets, scarves, all sorts, and there's a, and there's a double door entry. Uh, you, you step through that double door, and then inside you look around and there are clothes everywhere. Like, it's the, the, the walls are sort of stacked like 20 items deep, yeah. <laughs> all the way up from the floor to the ceiling. The ceiling has items um, hanging from it. There's... It's sort of like this sort of not quite bright white light LED hit that you get from... It's sort of this this fluorescent tube lighting. And it's yeah. it's not quite bright enough, but it's not dark. You can see, yeah. but it's basically... You're, you're just almost stepping into this whole different world. And this is an experience. And and as you go through the shop, like, it, it, you could spend hours and hours... And people do. People yeah. will actually go in as, like, a tourist attraction. Oh, yeah. It makes so me want to be different. up there now, actually. And, and so, so I sort of that's why I was like. Okay, how do I make that? I want that. <laughs> I want people to come to the website and and um, and remember it. But then obviously I have no idea how to code. I've got no idea how to actually make something. So I thought um, you've got to have like something that's, that's slightly distinct. And what what makes you you? I think thinking of that really helped to start. Awesome. Yeah, I
0: think that's super, super clear and like good advice for people who who are thinking about how to take inspiration for their their brand. And yeah, it makes you really want to just hearing about the shop and stuff really makes you want to go up to, to Notting Hill and Portobello Road and explore again, which hopefully we will be able to do sooner rather than later. Just also in terms of the the business, you've and, and you know advice for other people getting started. You've got your your co-founder who helped you with the business, and I don't know if there's any like advice there for people about finding other people with different skills or other people that you might want to get involved if you are starting a project.
2: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more, and 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 definitely getting uh, people who complement your skill set is key. So part part of as I was saying, I was sort of trying to work out what Depop was and and other tools and i and i ended up stumbling across an old friend from school called holly and and she lo and behold um i just asked her about um her experience selling stuff on depop and um and she's incredibly passionate about the sustainability the vintage Mm. clothes i think she says she's not bought a new item like from from a conventional shop for a, a long long time and it's and yeah so she's so the skill set. So she. So where I'm clearly from an engineering background, uh, love data, uh, love that side of things, and and have a bit more of like the business, financial, strategic sort of view. Holly brings this uh, creative styling, yeah. clothing expertise in the clothing. Like she's the one who. Will, I, I I I'm gonna have to put my hands up and admit I I'm not <laughs> the the most fashionable. <laughs> so <laughs> myself <laughs> and and holly brings a bit that uh a lot of the yeah. the styling the the branding the the visual side and and she yeah it's like complementary skill set it's yeah. um it's been incredible it's been really helpful to yeah. have yeah um, definitely it also makes it not lonely right so so because obviously running a business on on your own is a bit of a it's hard, right? There's so many things to do. There's marketing. There's branding. There's building customers. Replying to customers. There's actually the stock and the thing you're selling. There's finances. There's there's so much to it. I suppose that's why all companies are normally yeah, yeah. more than one person. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. And so just to like skip skip on to to sort of now and like reflecting a little bit on on kind of kind of how it's how it's gone. Tell us how it's, how, when you started and sort of where we are now on the journey.
2: Yeah. So, so it started pretty much with a website thinking, cool, I've made a website. The, everyone on the internet is going to come and see me. <laughs> and it was silent.
0: When, when, when was the website launched? <laughs> was, what was the, what was the date that you... June. On?
2: So yeah. it was June and early June. I should know the day. It's still a bit past a master, <laughs> But, but yeah, I... But it was just like, I was like, right, I've got a website now. I, yes. I'm here, come to me. I was like, well, and then silence. And, and that was that was obviously a little bit of like a, what? You build it and they should come, right? That's, the, that's, that's what everyone says. And and, 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 and what I very, um, so we, we then started to, we did make some sales. We made profit and it was really good because it, it just started to add a bit of confidence to say that actually the stuff that we've got is pretty good. And actually we were selling more on Depop. Um, than the website just because Holly had a lot of experience on Depop and we knew how to yeah. make that work and and we were like well this is great and and this is really good and but I think what I very quickly realised that the reason why my dad was on Portobello Road the reason why people go to specific places to set up shop is because they know that Um, they will bring uh, people go there for that particular style of item people who like vintage clothes will go to the friday vintage market at portobello Road to to Mm. look for it and 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 where it's an online business in in the sea in the abyss of every single website on, on that it was realizing that well although we can't go to people aren't going to come to us we kind of have to go to them so we we started advertising and started just to leverage sort of the instagram uh following we had and and that and that saw um a bit of a change in the business and we were able to sort of take the items and and get them in front of people who actually were looking for it and looking for items that were of a particular style vibe and and that and that was a massive unlock for for us and uh, almost to the point where it starts to becoming a challenge to keep on top of the stock. So, so the items are a yeah. are very, a lot of them are very similar. And, and I was saying um, to yourself, phrase before that actually we've, we have a particular a blouse. And now that blouse will be, some of them will have in, in different materials. So some are chiffon, some are lace, some are velvet, some are cotton. And, and then we have different, colors in that same item as well and then on top of that sizes it. and very quickly some of them we have a few of some of them are none and some of them we have like five and ten of and it's sort of managing stock is it's been yeah. been, been a challenge actually and the and the other bit is it's, it's obviously the clothing clothes are vintage and and the idea of like how do we faithfully sort of make sure that the clothes are as good a quality as they should be because there is always going to be sort of loose threads yeah. and slight marks and with anything vintage and you know, we're just trying to make sure that we get the products and do what we can within yeah. reason to, to make to touch them up, to any loose threads, um, any hems and stitches. I mean, behind me at work I have uh, I've got the sewing machine that I've had to learn to use, which oh, awesome. has been, been quite fun. Although major surgery is normally done by my dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was good to, good to know. Yeah. So you're getting to the point where like the stock is, and the, the challenges are like managing the amount of orders, managing the amount of stock and, you know, obviously accelerated a lot, as you say, with the Facebook ads and, and Instagram and the, the promotion, which is really cool. And so you're thinking, maybe thinking just like further ahead, what's in store for the rest of the year and and beyond?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, but like you said at the start, you're right. It's been nine months. It's It's been... <laughs> Crazy nine months, to say to say the least, um, and and looking to the rest of the year, we we're actually um, planning a little bit of a breather and a bit of a um, step back because all we've realised is we really need to get a better understanding of the stock uh, and what we've got.
0: Interesting.
2: Um, so plan the plan is actually going to be um, over the next couple of months is almost take a little bit of a back step from the actual pushing loads of content out okay. and the stock drops and all of that to, to give us the the bandwidth to actually go and start to look at the stock, man and get, get go get a proper count of what we've got. Again, understanding is, okay, this is definitely like what we need to put out in summer. This is stuff we're going to uh, wait for sort of autumn time for, and just start to come up with a bit of a plan for, the stock uh, at the moment it has been very much a case of sort of we'll go or we'll pick up some items like okay, this looks cool. These these are nice. Let's, let's go with this. And it's and it's a bit more haphazard at the moment, which is what and, and I'm not going to knock it, but it, it's not sustainable. So, yeah, so that's that's going to be um, taking us to the end of our first year. Yeah. Of-
0: yeah. I, and then. Longer term, obviously you've you've proved the success of it. People will buy these vintage clothes and will like buy into this brand online. So is this something that you see yourself continuing beyond this year, beyond lockdown
2: and and, and everything like that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm looking forward to what it has in store for it because where where I see um Portobello Vintage Market as, as the online store is is, is almost uh, the ability for us to sort of work with other people so we at the moment we've got a finite amount of stuff we've got what my dad's got um and that we're trying to help him sell and and sort of buying from him and selling on through our business and and what's um what's exciting is we started to do things like collaborations with artists mm. um so uh one of our one of our friends who started a little venture of painting and sort of graffiti style art we sort of said well how about we we start to look at this idea of customization on some of the items that we we have, and when you when you start to look at layering that on top of us, is, is that somewhere that Portobello Vintage Market could go? Yeah. I mean, the name in itself allows us to think a little bit more outside of the box of us purely. Uh, can we can we help other people? Can we can we create an online market potentially? Can we? Look to 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 be able to provide products that are all within the same sort of line of We are being ethical. We're being sustainable. We are yeah. helping to create a change using things that are already there and, and finding the right people for the right products. And yeah, so I think I think the, the next few years is going to be an interesting journey for Portsman yeah. Vintage Market for sure. Awesome. And so yeah, and I think
0: the the collaborations obviously kind of opens it up, and the brand name opens it up to hopefully more people. And so thinking about maybe looking looking back to over the last nine months and forward as well, how do you think the lifting of lockdown or hopeful sort of return to normal in the next like year or maybe longer, how will that like shape things going forward or make it different for you running the business?
2: I think it's going to help. I, I So from my point of view, lockdowns been a catalyst for and an enabler i don't think this business would have started had it not been for the lockdown because i've been at home i've had the ability to spend time i normally live in brighton so i'd move back to london to my parents place where the stock is and dad knows the items like the back of his hand and and so if it wasn't for it but what it's allowed us to do is start to get the, the groundwork in a lot of that hard initial, how do you start to create a brand? How do you start to do all things? What we want to do next is things like photo shoots with groups of people. Yeah. We want to ensure our models are diverse, but at the moment it's me and Holly. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> no choice. So
2: we're kind of like, we've got what we've got. We, I mean, But we want to, we want to portray a like, lot. Uh, we want to ensure we are doing things in the right way. We want to do things right. And, and so having, um, having representation from different ethnicities, sizes, all of that, and, and doing a proper photo shoot of the products, I think, is going to be massive. But you can't do that until until things close down, until things open up, I think. Yeah. And and when festivals open up again, that's going to be another uh, opportunity for a lot of the items where people will actively be looking for, So lots of people used to go to my dad's shop for before burning man yeah. for example to to find things that are just completely out of this world but really high high um, quality stuff but it's uh for, for that and it's and it's that sort of thing so i'm looking forward to it i'm obviously I'm looking forward to getting out of the house <laughs> and, and back to more sociable um I think, ways. We I, all think, are. I think it's but but i think with it comes um some really positive steps and and the ability to to get within two metres or one metre plus whatever the government's backing (laughs) now (laughs) of people to actually be able to do things is going to be a massive unlock.
0: No, definitely, I think it's it's really cool and hopefully good timing for you. Like you say, later in the year, once you've had time to reflect on everything that's happened, kind of happened and, and get things in place with the stock and everything like that, I think it could be could be really good timing. Thank you so much, Rashad, for, for telling us a little bit more about the, the business and your journey. And I think, to me, it sounds like there's still an opportunity for, for anyone who's got an idea. There's always gonna be a niche for new things and just getting yourself in there and, and giving it a go is definitely worth doing for, for anyone listening. And yeah, lastly, just where should people find you if they if they want to find out more or talk to you or the, find the business?
2: Yeah, so so we the easiest place is Instagram. So we're at Portobello Vintage Market. Um, that's our handle for the Insta Depop. Um, you can find us at portobellovintagemarket.com um and yeah just please please reach out we love hearing from from people we love chatting we um, if you've got any questions about stock etc we we love just to share and make sure that you get get an experience so yeah if you want to reach out to me if you've got any questions thinking of starting a brand give me a shout i'd love to hear about it and, and see if we can help awesome. as well cool well thanks again rushab for appearing on the podcast and we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having me, Fraser. And yeah, I love what you're
1: doing. And thank you
2: everyone
1: for listening. Right. So, Thank you for doing that. That was a really interesting interview, I think.
0: Yeah, thanks, Roshab. It was uh, It was good Good to catch up with, with him and think about his business and hear about all the work he's done over the last nine, nine months or so. And yeah, a few really cool insights there, partly just about the process for him of getting set up online and everything that went mm. into it, which was interesting to hear about and also just the advice that anyone can sell things online and that it just takes a a little spark to identify what that thing is for you that you could could do if you want if you want to or even if it's not selling something for money but just sharing your work or something that you're passionate about i've seen a lot of people for example um who've started up a second or third instagram account just to talk about something or blog or share pictures or something that they they love which has been really cool
1: yeah and i think something that he said about setting up online that i thought was really interesting is well i first started doing this but then that didn't work so i changed it and i think that that is something that we don't give ourselves a chance to do sometimes and we just go in and do something and if it's it's not perfect the first time you just think oh that didn't work then
0: yeah, if it hasn't sort of met your initial expectations or thoughts of how it would work, then that's okay. You just need yeah. to figure it out or actually in Rushab's case as well, get some some help and expertise from other people, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. Partly originally, it was his idea to help out his dad with the project and with the stock that his dad had and get, get that business online. But then also to then get his friend involved, who had a completely different set of skills and, and interests um, I think that was really interesting.
1: And I think that's something we can both get behind is really when you're starting something quite big, I would say, it's good to have someone to bounce off of and to know that you you have that help all the time. So having a, a business partner, I think, is, is important. Yeah. I say as I start a business without a business partner. Yeah. But I think but you've
0: hopefully got people around you who, who are there to help you out. Yeah, exactly.
1: I know yeah. that I've got a good support network of people doing the same thing as me that would be able to help me so having something like that i think is a really good idea yeah so hope you enjoy the interview
0: yeah and hope you enjoyed the episode we had had fun making it and I yeah. hope you enjoyed listening to it
1: and let us know if you have any other topics that you'd like us either us to talk about or to interview someone yeah. about we've done the psychology series we've done this one so anything that you'd like us to talk to an expert or someone with experience about just let us know you can write to us on the Avocado Social club at gmail.com or find us on Instagram as at theavocadosocialclub. I'm personally on Instagram as at underscore Natalia Alvin.
0: And I'm at Fraser D. Bell.
1: See you in a couple of weeks.
2: Bye. Bye.